Hello everyone, welcome to the podcast, Real Treat. Uh, part of doing this podcast has been great, is getting to know sports people and just interesting people in my local area. And uh, one that came through, Alan Goff, who's a physiotherapist in the local area, he's been attached to Cheltenham Town Football Club for a long time, but he works with sports people. And Big Goffy has put me in touch with a kind of guy who's got a rich boxing history that I didn't even know lived in this area, but Johnny Melfer from Gloucester, super middleweight boxer, mixed in probably the, the richest, greatest era of super middleweight boxing in this country, fought the likes of Steve Collins, Chris Eubank, Harold Graham, as well as sat now in my living room. And how you doing, Johnny? Good to see you. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Yeah, you get you well. You, um, you're still working as a, a bricklayer. How's, yeah. how's life going in that, in that regard? It's all right. I'm just chilling, eh? Bricklaying, bit of boxing training, being involved with boxers. One way or the other. Yeah, you got you got a super heavyweight coming over, haven't you, from the Netherlands? Is that right? To, yes. To, sco- to kind of mentor him, is that is that how you're doing it? Um, no, I'm going to make sure we're going to point him in the right direction with, when it comes to management because pro boxing's a business. Yeah. And like it's not him just jumping in as a 24 year old because he won't last long. So he's, am- he's an amateur looking to turn over, is he, into, yes. into the pro ranks? Yeah. So. I'll bring him down. I want him to end up with at Dominic Ingalls' gym so we'll see how much he can learn. If he can't learn nothing there, he might as well go on. <laughs> well, you were talking because you worked with Brendan Ingalls, didn't you, at times in your career. Mm. Is he someone, because I, I obviously worked with Johnny Nelson at Sky Sports, who's a former cruiserweight world champion, and Brendan guided his career. And he was devastated when, when Brendan lost. Dominic is, is Brendan's mm. son. How special was Brendan Ingalls as a, as a coach? Well, he, he knew everything, and not only that, Dominic, his son, was always in the corner with him, so like he was learning it at the same time. Yeah. But, um... You can see similarities between the father and son, can you? Oh, yeah, Brendan would have taught him a lot, and now he will carry on learn, using the practice and learning as he goes along. Yeah. Because he never stopped learning, but... Was it tactics that Brendan did? But you said even the way he wrapped your hands made your hands better. And... Oh, yeah, the way he wrapped your hands... I remember five times he was in my corner with me. I can't remember losing because like, you just go back, he talked to you, so you <laughs> understood what to do. Was it when you're in that corner? Because that's the key, isn't it? When you're the fighter's tired, you you've got that sh- really short break, thirty seconds between between rounds to get instructions in. What what are the key messages? Is it keep it simple? Is that what Brendan was good at? Just one or two things. It's just going through the basics. Yeah. Go through the basics, keep it simple, and just keep doing what you're doing if you're getting success, but beware all the time. So like, you can talk and instill a winning pattern into someone's head. Just reprogram them. That's yeah. what, I suppose that's what Brendan was good at, reprogramming, gramming children. Yeah, because he he not only pro-boxers, he had kids that he sort of yeah. helped redirect their lives, didn't he, yeah, through, through boxing. Redirect, it's reprogram, it's the kids with broken heads who come into the boxing gym. So maybe that's what this country needs right now, they need youth clubs and boxing in them. Yeah. To get everybody on a level. Well, it's funny you say that, because there was a, an article, I think, in either the Times or the Evening Standard said about East London, they'd set up some boxing gyms and how crime had gone down in that area, because they were mm. getting young boys and even young girls in and keeping them off the streets and giving them a bit of discipline. Do you think it's do you think it's a it's a good way of, of getting youngsters to guess get rid of that get rid of all that energy and fire that perhaps can go the wrong way? It is. I think it should be in schools, but there's too many good do gooders out there say, Oh <laughs> get punched around the head. No, you can do sparring with just body punching. You don't have to punch in the head. Yeah. 
but they don't want to hear that side of it. But. We're banning headers in youth football now as well because they're worried oh, about the, the results of that. Hang of it. <laughs> so even in football, you know, it's it's, uh, it's a strange it's a strange world. But what did what did boxing give you as a, a youngster? How did you how did you find it? How did you pick it up? It, it, it gave me a good way out when I was eight years old. Some old fella named Len Wicken said, "Yeah, come here." He talked about my dad, who I knew had died when I was two, and he started telling me stories. And then one day, like boiling hot summer, he comes walking up. The ice cream man's up, and he's the ice cream times, and he calls me over, and he calls all the lads around him, says, "Who wants an ice cream?" <laughs> and we all says, "We want one." And he goes, pulls out all the boxing gloves, and like whoever boxes can have an ice cream. Really? And so that's where it started. And then he used to pick me up because he lived three doors from me, he used to pick me up and take me to the boxing gym at Gloucester. Yeah. And then bring me back home with him. So that was the start of it. And when I was hearing more stories, meeting more people, talking about my father's journey as a boxer, I just stayed with it. And over yeah. the years, it, it's been good to me, whether I've been in Amsterdam, Alderney, Jersey, Guernsey, Ireland. We went lots of different places. We wouldn't have went if we weren't boxing. Yeah, it's amazing. So what did, was he like a, was it Len? Was he like a, a father figure to you? No, he, he, he was the man, the way, he was just one of the father figures to me, I think, but he was just a man who knew about boxing. He, he'd fostered, he'd adopted Roy Hutchinson, mm. who won a British title as a schoolboy, and Roy boxed for Great Britain against the Americans. So... He just thought it was a good way to bring kids up. And yeah, give them... he, he come from London and... And that's what he done. He came from London and he found Roy and taught him to be fast, different to everybody else in Gloucester. That's why Roy had a good career. And then he passed away and it come down the line then to John Lewis. Yeah. John Lewis, like, he, we used to do training. So it's Gloucester ABC, is it? No, I no. left Gloucester ABC. I went up Coney or this fella who used to come up there. And he used to say, come over and show us some boxing and that. And it was training on the bottom of Robinswood Hill. So we used to go out there, and then all of a sudden he got the Vikings Youth Club, which is a right big place, bought loads of bags. <laughs> yeah, and then introduced us to John Anderson, another trainer, and so that, that Viking duo was going for a lot of years. And so what did, what did um, boxing give you as an eight-year-old when you first discovered it then? Did it give you discipline, sense of... No, I, it made me realise if I box on a boxing show, like in a... I knew I could win myself a watch and I'd come out and all the blokes would there, give me fivers. I'd go home and I'd go wedge some money on me. <laughs> and a watch. So even though it was amateur, they were giving you just. Yeah, it was like, I thought, hang about, I weren't getting this at home. I could go and feed properly and buy clothes. Yeah. So um, by the time I'm like 15, I'm right on it. Then I'm on the boxing booth going around the country with Ronnie Taylor's boxing booth. What, what was your childhood like then? Was it quite tough? To, you didn't have that much? Yeah, that's right. I come from a stiff, uh, selfish parents. But that's all I'll say about him. Selfish. Really? But, um, yeah, that's not... Just... Well, not, not generous to the kids, you felt? Uh, no, it's just um, selfish parents. You know what I mean? One of them's gone, one's still here. Just selfish people. But there's people like that. Yeah. That's why I'm a nice parents and my children. You know, you don't... You know, you got to treat people properly. Yeah. So boxing gave you another kind of avenue, did it? To, yeah, give me to another, get... yeah, give me another avenue down there. Like, you know... Do you play other sports? No, ever sports, bloody hell. Growing up, football, rugby's big yeah. in Gloucester, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, well, as soon as I finished boxing, I went to rugby, I went and played for Spartans, then Coneyhill, then Treadworth. After you'd finished boxing? After I'd finished boxing, yeah. And wow. I, I remember the first day, 
So after you retired I, from a pro at 30, 34? For, yeah, so I played for Spartans this one day. <laughs> and they said, you wait till tomorrow. I played flanker. I remember that Sunday morning. <laughs> flanker, flanker's the toughest position. Yeah, I well. know. I had to roll off the bed. I'd crawl up to, to pull myself up the stand-up straight. <laughs> so you got respect for rugby players then, even as a, yeah, even because as a tough Yeah, they boxer. said, don't worry, you'll get used to it soon. I was used to it by the week, week after. But the amount of packets of peas, frozen peas I had on me this one day. But it's funny, fitness is specific to the sport, isn't it? Because whenever you try something new, like I played a bit of football, but I remember trying to do a boxing session and just nothing against anyone else, but just throwing punches. The next day you're so sore because you're not used to it. It's exhausting throwing punches, isn't it? When you're not, you're not used to that kind of that See, movement. See, out there in the world right now, there's too many boxing trainers instead, and there ain't enough boxing tutors. Mm. And, that's, and some people can't understand that, understand that when you say it to them. I think they worry too much what about the physical side of it. Not yeah, them. punch the bag for 23 minute rounds. Go, go 10 mile run and you have <laughs> 10 hours skip. It ain't all about that. It's all about what kind of training gonna, you, they're going to use. You've got to pinprick the muscles they're going to use. Yeah. You've just got to, there's so much involved in boxing. A lot of these people who just like to shout there, keep punching, keep punching on the punch bag. They don't know about it. It's the tutors. It's te- technical technical yeah. advice, or is it life advice as well? Do boxing coaches need to give no. young, young fighters advice on how to manage their money, yeah, how to see, no, do the their young, contracts? The young fighters are going to learn off the older fighters. Yeah. So, uh, like, as long as like you're on the right track with your very first fighters, you're all right. So you've got some amazing stuff here, and I'll put I'll put your boxing record online, which you've given me. And you've detailed how much you got paid when you. Turn professional. Your first pro fight was in 1986 when you were 26, yeah. but you must have had a long amateur career before that. How long was the, the journey yeah. then? You began boxing at eight and you're fighting as an amateur through your, through well, your teen years. Yeah, well, I, bought, I had my first fight, I think, at 11. Wow. And so, um, Did you just, enjoy it? Did you enjoy that oh, thrill of being in the it, then it got, I used to get ripped, ripped off. That used to piss me off and I got robbed. But like as I grew older and older and started knocking people out, then I, no one wanted to fight me then. And I used to sit around and have one boxing <laughs> match in between ABA rounds. So I told them I'm going pro next year. Yeah. And that's it. So at the start of the next season, I went up there. The only reason I linked in with my old boxing trainer, John Anderson, was to go on the way on the scales and in, in my corner on the championship. Yeah. I feel a bit gutted. So you were doing bricklaying all the time, though, were you learning to bricklay at this no, point? No, not learning to bricklay. I had to slam blocks down like everybody else. Yeah. So, so labouring? And you say, no, not labouring. Laying the blocks, laying concrete blocks. Oh, OK. And it's hard work. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing throughout your career. Because we had Mark, I had Mark Hopkins, who's a former American footballer, I was mentioning, he's from, from this area as well, and he was bricklaying. He said that he actually got injuries from... You know, bricklaying carrying got lopsided because he'd be yeah. carrying on one side of his yeah, that's right. one side of his body. But he said that there's that still element. He had to train in the morning before he worked, and then afterwards as yeah. well. So that's physically tough, isn't it? When you're doing of a man- it is, manual yeah. labour. No, there's a lot of people. They should help him. If there's anybody out there who's got plenty of money and they're so-called a mate of his, help him. Give him a bit of help. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, and that's what it is in London. You got people who help the London fires. Yeah. You've There's got a lot of people really, around. Really rival in this city. I think he's got help from people. Yes. Whether it comes down to food, training. He's kit. got he's got a title fight coming up, hasn't he? Yeah. You've got to have, um, and that's live on Sky, isn't it? I think it's going to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But a lot of us are still going to be up there ringside. Are you? Yeah. What's he like as a young young fighter? Oh, he's a nightmare. Is he? That should be his nickname, really the nightmare. Because <laughs> he is. Because none of them don't know what to do with him, or just call him bad news, or 
yeah. avoid yeah. Uh, or go round. Yeah. And that's it. That's, but, this is pro boxing. What, no one's going to tell them people off. Well, but your because your debut was 1986 September. You you had to go down to London to, to forge your career, didn't you? After training yeah. in Gloucester, and we get a guy called Winston Ray. You, you lost that one. You stopped. Yeah. You. What, what do you remember of that? And then the night. I just remember like, East Dulwich. Was it Dulwich? Yeah, Dulwich. I just remember me finding out he was nine fights to no, and I <laughs> said to Billy, "You're supposed to be looking after me, ain't you?" <laughs> and so that was it. He, this is Billy Ed. Yeah, Billy had made me. I was eleven eleven for the ABA finals. Billy had bought me down to eleven stone three. I don't know why. Yeah. To fight this fella here, Billy must have liked watching me have toe to toes. <laughs> and it was he had butt me in the eye and he done me eye. The next time I boxed him was. Billy sacked me after the Errol Graham fight and I went with Frank Maloney. He sacked you yeah, after the Errol Graham fight? he sacked me, yeah. Which was a British title fight. Yeah, in what? Yeah, in the, in the late 80s. If I would have won the British title fight, I'd have automatically re-signed with him for another three years. Really? Yeah, that's how it is. He got it on <laughs> But that's, but you, because you lost your first fight and you won eight, eight on the spin, didn't you? Yeah. What, was your, what was your style like in that period? I was still learning, but it was making it hard for me with some of the people they were, like Andy Summer from the Brendan Ingle camp. Winston Ray, you you don't give new recruits things like that. You let them have five fights first, then you put them into that because that's a that's a culture shock. Were you and all you were just basically looking at your record because you've got you know ten knockout wins, you stopped ten times as well. Were you all action? Was that your style? Just stand and trade? Or yeah, it's about boxing. Boxing's called boxing. The art of self defence. Yeah. As I grew older, I learned how to box better. But to learn how to box better, you've got to spar with the world champion class boxers. I used to do that all the time. I used to be sparring with cruiserweights. Roger McKenzie, he was a cruiserweight British and European. Yeah. I'd spar with the likes of even Colin McMillan just for a move around, not to try and punch him, but like you, you're learning yeah. things. Yeah. How, 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 how important is it to get sparring right in terms of the level of intensity? Because people say that sometimes people have these gym wars that then takes it away from them and ends their career early. Gym wars ain't no good. Yeah, and these these promoters and managers who get their fighters wars they don't know good they want to try to get their backside in the ring and fight the war themselves yeah you know what I mean but but Do you, is that a tough is that a thing in boxing you feel that there is an exploitative element to it's it it's always been an exploitative it used to be run by the mob in America yeah <laughs> they're mob they don't look like mob Eddie Earn Eddie don't fact, look like mob but he's one of the richest dudes out there because his daddy used to be the, the richest dude out there on it yeah and so I used to be fighting for his dad, but on the pittance end is where Chris Eubanks was the man Barry Earn was linked to, who was linked with Sky, with the first satellite and all that, that comes in this country. Yes. So yeah, I, I knew what my worth was, and, and when they'd done that to me, I thought, well, that's my worth. If, yeah, apparently Mike Tyson versus Buster Douglas was the first fight on Sky, which was interesting. That was the yeah. when he got when Tyson kind of came to a... Crushing Hall is is success yeah, see, story like, at that point. Like, yeah, you, know, you get people like Mike Tyson. They're guided, and they get there, and the people disappear, and then they f up. Yeah. Now, like, um, if he would have come up, if he would have been watched by them people, he wouldn't go anywhere. No, he'd have been beat up in the. And was gym. it was it tougher coming from Gloucester because you came to that oh, London, oh, London yeah. arena and you you didn't have that backing of of a big association or a big yeah. ticket sales behind you. Yeah, went into the Thomas and Beckett, asked to go go spar with him, spar with him, and next guy, someone else want to spar me. Before you know it, you've got a list, a line of them waiting to spar with you. But I used to enjoy it, I did. I yeah. used to think, well, come on then. I, I just, <laughs> come on in. <laughs> but you, but you, you, you didn't have that big push from a promoter. But in fairness, you, you weren't a journeyman, were you? Because you actually went 
on that rise through the late 80s to, to Brit, were, British level. You won eight on the spin. They tried to put that label on me and they didn't like it because I beat the likes of Lou Gent. I beat the likes of um, their unbeaten light heavyweight champion from Scotland. I didn't see none of them get on the scales. I never have. <laughs> you didn't, there was no way in where you were present. No, no, of course they don't. They could have been any kind of weight. So you had to trust that they were super middleweight? Trust. How big were they? I knew that they were stealing, and that's all there is to it. They're just yeah. dogs. He was a dog. And with the weight, working as a bricklayer, 168 pounds, 12 stone, you're five feet, nine and a half, five, ten. Yeah. Is it easy for you to make that weight? Because you're doing that oh, work yeah. all the time? Yeah, just take the time. I was a middleweight before, 11, some six, and nobody wants to fight me that weight, so... Step up to the twelve stone, then then all of a sudden it's like the Noel McGee's, the full size like heavyweights on the weight above. Yeah, I fight on fighting them. But this was weighing. Was it weighing on the day of the fight in those days? Yeah, weighing on the day of the fight. But I got there. There were never nobody there when uh, <laughs> they'd been and gone all the time. So it didn't worry me because like um, I just thought to myself, well, I know my limitations. I box, and like if they make a mistake in front of me, I'll have them. I fancied it against Nicky Piper until he done me with his left elbow. I thought you fought Nicky Piper, yeah. You know what I mean? I was sending everyone in, in, in the top, Thomas Abeck. I said, look, I can beat him. You just got to keep moving. Don't stay still. Move against Nicky Piper because he likes his feet. He's a proper boxer. Solid. Yeah. No, he was a banger like this. So he planted his feet and that's the only time he could, he could swing. <laughs> but he done me, yeah, he, he nipped that about six times and a jet, quick jet of water went into the Oh, your the nose, rack. top of your nose you got there. Yeah. yeah. Out there towards the ref and towards me, but it's jetting out. Oh, really? Jetting out. He done me three times with it. I said, Well, ref. Did he hit that on the seam of the glove or something? Is it? No, with his elbow. Ah. With his elbow for all left hook, and you missed me, and your elbow would hit me there. <laughs> it hurts as well. Good move. So, what? So, do you think boxing, because you had that winning run to get to British title level, but it almost feels like you were doing it against the establishment. Do you think boxing suffers from a lack of fairness? We, do we see the best talent go to the top, or is it about the business side of it, the ticket sales? being pushed, yeah, pushed by promoters. That's what it is. It's all about ticket sales. And anybody who wants to be a pro boxer, like they better make sure that they got a good crowd behind them. You've got more of a chance now as a social media thing. Does that make it easier now that people build their own early TV to back yeah, you Yeah, that's right. Because they're doing it through social media and as where the TV, they're old and everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah. old and everything off from everybody. So, But you can now build an, a following... On social media, which then that translates into ticket sales, so you yeah. can kind of do it yourself without yeah. needing a promotion. MTK, thing behind you. they got live live streams, aren't they? Yeah, you can't beat a live stream and just people fight on Facebook now, Twitter, it's streamed everywhere, so people get exposure more maybe than they, they could do. Mm, well, because in the old days it was like you were either m- mega famous like yeah. Frank Bruno, or yeah. you were almost unknown, weren't you? Because yeah. it was all about. ITV, mainstream TV, yeah. so you get 20 million people watching you, or you'd be mm. you'd be at British level, but people wouldn't know who you were. Yeah, that's right. I'm about to go in, um, I'm doing the, the white collar refereeing and judging. Oh, are you? Yeah. Is that in Gloucester? No, Starbridge. Ah, okay. For a crew up there. What do, you, what, do you, what do you think of that as a... 
As a pro, a former yeah, well, it's up to referees like me to make sure no one gets hurt, isn't it? Yeah, and talk to them both. You want to hurt him? He's bleeding. Now that's it. Fight over. You get some pretty bad mismatches, can't you, in white collar boxing? Because you... yeah, but that's right. But it's people like me who's going to stop it. Stop fights over. Yeah, three inches too, three stone too big for him. There's a guy. There's a reporter who did it at Sky, and they matched him according to weight. But then he went and did the proper boxing training. He was quite a you know a portly yeah. guy, quite a big chunky guy. But he was only say he was five eleven. He lost. He lost about three stone in the boxing training, but they paired him with a guy who was the same weight. It was six four, who just yeah. who just boxed his ears off when he got in the white collar. So he was, yeah, it was by the end of it they got in there. They were completely different sizes. So yeah, that's, you find that at the white collar boxing, but oh, it's not about the boxers themselves. It's about everybody who's turning up to watch them to eat their meal, to drink their champagne, and that and have a good night out. Yeah, and that's that's what it's about. It's just a good night out, and they all know that as a few grudge matches held. We, office workers against one another but it's quite funny yeah one's one's five foot ten and the other's like four foot <laughs> and so it is funny and you just gotta drag it out if you're a referee like you pull them up if you can see someone's gonna it's funny people one out, you tell them get your hand up and you won't go to it you're not size of your face yeah it appeals to some sort of basic thing doesn't it to watch people fight as people enjoy doing that whether it used to be with my kids in the bandstand people would fight or whatever it was it was uh it's something that people gravitate to watch, whatever the whatever the level. But it's funny with boxing. You talk about the extreme, the unfairness sometimes that talented guys who haven't got a promotional backing yeah. behind them, haven't got TV behind them, struggle to sell tickets. And maybe they're forced either to become journeymen and fight for less money regularly, and, and almost encouraged not to to win that those matches as well. But and then we have like the YouTube generation now. You mentioned social media, KSI, Jake uh, Logan yeah. Paul, Jake Paul, all these people earning millions of dollars who aren't who have fought. Yeah, a couple of fights, mm-hmm. trained for six months. What what do you make of that? Load of crap. There's loads of all the pro fighters round their weight. They're all they all just start shouting them out. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you think you think they should put them in with a pro fighter and yeah. see what happens? Yeah, let them have a bit of reality for a night. Because Billy Joe Saunders, a world champion yeah. British guy, real skilled boxer, he's on the undercard of the YouTubers. But yeah, I know. But he made more money than he ever had done before. He said. Yeah, but like, um, that's right. But how does that work out? It seems like. Do you think it'll ruin? Do you think it'll spoil boxing's reputation in the end? It will take away from the skilled fighters. Yeah, I don't know because I think everybody's trying to get on to box on the Saudi Arabian bills, and the only way to get that is go for Eddie Earn. Yeah, because that's where the money is. Yeah, and there's been questions over the the human rights in Saudi Arabia yeah, as well. But he's don't Eddie Earn don't care about that. <laughs> he don't. There's up well, I don't know. There's arguments on both ways. People say that if you expose the country, that maybe it will get better as well through through sport and and profile. But when, when but you were building your your career, and what happened? Tell me about the British title fight against Harold Graham. How that came about? Was it eliminated before it was there? Yeah, there was me against Nigel Benn, and it was Michael Watson against James Cook for an eliminator for the British title fight, Harold Graham. Yeah. So it seemed that nobody wanted to fight. Nigel Brem was a dart destroyer. Yeah. Fight, was he, he was in the Marines, wasn't he, or something, I think, beforehand? Yeah. Um, was it or commandos? Commandos, yeah. Something like that. But that didn't happen? No, it didn't happen. They, that fight didn't come off, and Billy Aird went silly then. <laughs> he went all silly, yeah, because he had a good sponsor, Terry Ramsden, the horse racing magnet. Oh, Ramsden, the, the horse yeah. racing person. And yeah. at this point, you were boxing full-time? Yeah, boxing full-time, then. And how different was it to box... Full time. Oh, I had bloody shrimp. Yeah. Different level of shrimp again. Yeah, you can burn the candle at both ends, but you won't be as strong. Because when you're bricklaying, what were you doing? Were you trying to train before you went on the site? Or no, I'd you... go running before I went on the site. At the end of the day, I'd go to the gym. You're knackered anyway. Yeah. When you get in there. 
Because it's a physical job for eight oh, hours a day minimum, oh, isn't yes. it? Yeah. yeah, that's right. But then the people who usually sign you up or whatever, they're doing nothing. <laughs> that's the way they are. So, so that's fo- the way they are. But like they, they might see people now. It's like Frank Maloney. There's a man, I, I boxing in Gloucester, the Gloucester Lead Centre sold out, Frank Maloney, Ambrose Menzies. We go down there, there's one store packed with stuff, all Nigel Ben stuff. That's it, just pure Nigel Ben. They didn't sell nothing. I said, well, do you respect? This is John Melford territory down here. So, like, even they were using me. Half hour before I was about to go in, Frank comes up to me, says, you won't be fighting tonight, then. John, I said, why? He said, Winston Ray, because it was Winston Ray. Well, what, to rematch the guy yeah. that beat you in the first one? He wants the same money as you. And I was getting £1,700, and he was getting 700 quid. But I'd sold the place out. Yeah. They say you went fighting, so I said, okay, I'll take the 700 pound. And he can have the 1700. I, I just held him up for six rounds and like, tortured him. Really? So yeah. you, you felt you'd improved a lot since the, the first oh, match? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, boy, I, I tortured him. I just got him in the corner. He had body shots, behind the ear shots, yeah. <laughs> forage. Oh, yeah, it was lovely. Was that all the stuff you'd learned sparring in London? Yeah, yeah. The, the ref kept saying, John, I know what you're doing. You know <laughs> what I mean? I know what you're doing. Yeah, you want to take a thousand pain off me? <laughs> you got to take some punches. But you were fighting for sometimes, what, 300 quid, 350 quid? That was my first fight. That was Winston Ray, 350 10. And this time, the second time, man, he comes around and robs a phase of the mine. Really? Yeah, but I, I think his career was over after that. But you were fighting every month sometimes, weren't you? And you were working at the same time. Yeah, well, that's what boxing's about. You've got to fight all the time, regular. Yeah. You've got to box all the time, regular. It's no good being in the gym. I used to see guys training in the gym for six months. To box once. Well, the elite fighters now, like Joshua, Anthony Joshua, Deontay. Well, Deontay Wilder may be a little bit busier, but they tend to fight just twice a year, don't they? Do you think that's difficult to keep the rhythm up? And the, so of course the it talent? is. They'll find out one day. Yeah. They'll find out the hard way. What would be the perfect amount of time, do you think, in pro boxing to, to fight in a year? Say so if you had good money and you could rest and all well, that stuff. Look, it's got to be like at least, um, got to be at least 12 times. Really? One, yeah, one start. a month. Yeah, one a month. No, you take off, like, take three, so call it nine. So, like, you can have little breaks, one or two week yeah. breaks, not 12-week breaks, and go out and get big and fat and well, come they, back in. But that's 10, 12-week camps building up to five. Yeah, now, but listen, my trainer used to tell me, John, it's better to stay in shape than have to get in shape. Yeah. He said, eat to live, don't live to eat. And, <laughs> like, and you know what I mean? He was a wise Geordie, that bloke. That was a good aspect of working oh, on a building yeah. site, though, I guess, is that you're actually... You're always active. It's harder to put on weight, isn't it? Yeah, no, when I sit in there, like all the bricklayers, they want to know what kind of food I got today because I call it power food, and they're all on it then, like, you know <laughs> what I mean? They're all trying to steal your food, are they? No, they're all on getting the same kind of food. I sit there and I pull out the, the pastas and the this and the that, and they're all looking over what you got today. So you were doing, when you were bricklayer, you were doing meal, proper meal prep, were you, back then, and making sure you ate well? Yeah, like days? I'd take in something like a cup lasagna and a... Some greens and a couple of potatoes and a thing of mayonnaise and uh, you yeah. got to you got to eat yeah. Not eat junk food. Yeah, well, you can have junk food at the same time because after that, for my pudding, I'd have a packet of Jaffa cakes. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a fighter no more. You know what I mean? Yeah, I weighed yeah. ninety ninety one kilograms. That was my weight at the doctor's surgery a week ago. What's ninety one kilograms? And that's fourteen stone four. Your cruiser weight. You're on the cruiser weight limit. Well, just, <laughs> I just feel okay being at the weight I'm at, I'm at now. Yeah, we well, get naturally bigger and broader as you get older, don't you? Yeah, I feel all right. I'm nice and strong and fit. I am. So tell me, tell me about Harold Graham then. Where was the where was the fight? I mean, I was at the York Hall, but Errol Graham, such a horrible person. Really? Horrible attitude. 
No wonder. That's where Nassim Ahmed learns it. Most horrible is man in well, the, sh- the showmanship. No, not showmanship. They really insult you. They get personal and insult you. And when, when was he getting personal with you? The, the weigh-in, the oh, press conference? It's, it's every time he could be in the same room as me. Yeah. Yeah. So I, what was he saying to you? I don't even want to repeat what I'm saying, because I'm going to be bumping into him soon. Okay. So. But he was supposed to be one of the finest British boxers never to win a world title. Yeah, but well, it's his own fault. We should have took his head out of his ass and, and realised <laughs> Brendan Ingle taught him everything he knew. Because he could put some things in it himself, it doesn't make him the one self-taught. You can't self-teach yourself. He's a, so he was a, he was a what, classy southpaw, would you say? Is yeah, but like him, that's right. He had a run in, Nassim Ahmed come into the scene and then he quickly picked it up as well. But he was nasty and he's nasty with his mouth. Yeah. He, he always slagging fighters. Well, but that's part of the, it's, but that sort of trash talking, that's part of the problem with the business of boxing, isn't it, now that you see fighters almost think they have to do that to get the attention, to get the ticket sales. Do, yeah. you, do you feel that there's more room now people will get bored of that after a while we want people yeah. who are just gentlemen? backward fighters like Adrian Boner with all them nasty things he says. Adrian Boner, yeah. Keith Thurman. You want to talk stupid, you <laughs> carry on, but you're still getting a beaten. Yeah. Well, Keith, Thur- Keith Thurman lost a 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao, didn't he? Yeah, so yeah that's came, right. You the insults of Chuck, and I just think he got no, not a piece of humbleness in him. And so, like, it was good to see him have a good ass whooping. <laughs> you know I mean, so that's what you do, keep do you, him up. Do you think, do you think boxing lacks, it lacks respect at the moment then? Do you think there's too much of that, that tra- trash talking? No, because the Americans are running things over there. And all, well, it's the Jews, isn't it? The Jews run everything, boxing-wise. Or oh, most I don't know, of I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, do, not, yeah, that's <laughs> me saying that. That's your thought. Because I had some, um, I had some journalist, like, he was pointing out to me, he was naming all the names, he knew all the names, I thought, fuck me, you know more names than me. It's quite a few promoters, though, so that's part of the, but that's part of the problem in boxing, isn't it? It's getting governing bodies and promoters yeah, to fight each other. Some of that, because you, you, you mentioned... You look at most of the governing bodies, like, they're just business people. Mm. And then you've got the breakaway ones like Oscar De La Hoya and... Yeah. But the problem is we want to see the best fighters fight the best fighters, don't we? So we want to see... It's not going to happen, though. Errol Spence Jr. versus Ter- it, Terence it, Crawford. No, it's not going to happen. It ain't never going to happen. No. No, it's never going to happen. We'll, sit, we'll tell you what, we'll see it with, quickly aside, we're talking about, we've seen it with Wilder Fury, aren't we? Like two of the best heavyweights. What do you reckon yeah. is going to happen in that rematch? I'm a Tyson Fury man. I'm, I Look at Wilder telling everybody who are listening, he wants a body. He wants to be very careful when you tread on, yeah. on that fine line of, you want to kill somebody, okay, then you've got to watch it, ain't you? Well, five, five, well, you know five boxers lost their life last year, didn't they? You've yeah, got to be careful, well, you've got to watch himself when he walks across the street. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a dangerous, it's a, da- it's a dangerous world, isn't it? Yeah. But so what, what happened in the Harold Graham fight then? What was it? What happened? Well, I just couldn't punch him because I hadn't sparred with no safe paws. I hadn't, I was at the camp and I'd come away from it and all I was doing was skipping, groundwork, a couple of punch bag, a couple of minutes punch bag. There was no nothing there for me. Yeah. He weren't there for me. I was just going for the motions. I was going to earn the money. That was the best payday of your career, wasn't it? But yeah, twelve thousand yeah. pounds. It says on your shoe. Yeah, that's what was left from sixteen thousand six hundred. It was. So that was after all the training yeah. fees and everything. Yeah, and Billy like stole his bit from me. Who take what he took more than you would have liked him? Uh, yeah, that's right. But I didn't like Billy out. What was he supposed to take? Ten percent as your manager? No, twenty five percent. Really? And he, he would have been. In that's total, a lot, isn't it? If he'd have t- he could have took ten percent as being a trainer as well, which is thirty five percent. Wow. Yeah, but that's the way it is. And if I'd have won the title, I'm automatically re-signing him because I'm the champion now when he put me there to it for another three years. That's wrong. Do you think boxing needs more of 
a kind of because UFC obviously mixed martial arts they've got Bellator they've got UFC but within UFC it's one governing body they set the prices if, yeah. it seems that and I know people at the lower end still get paid badly but you think with boxing that there needs to be a way of, of being fair about the money because people are risk, risking no. their lives aren't they at the lower level yeah but you can't like UFC was the first mixed martial arts because we got Shane Mills from down here and we used to go and beat up all the, that UFC's number one fighters really yeah. Mark Weir's a local boxer for in UFC yeah as well it's his cousin Mark he used to fight for Mark first and after a couple of weeks we said how much are you getting paid then Shay yeah and Shay said it was X amounts and we said no <laughs> we got to see that so like at the end, he ended up earning £35,000 a fight. Wow. And he had a, the quickest knockout this one night, and that was another extra twenty six grand. So, like, his dad, Gary Mills, deceased, God bless his, bless yeah. his song, he made sure that... Well, yeah, you go... Apparently the UFC's talking about promoting boxing fights now and stuff. What did you make of that? What did you make, what did you make of, like, McGregor fighting Mayweather? It's a, a different oh, sport. I want money on Mayweather. Every single Irish man out there, like, they believe in their country. <laughs> but it's a different sport, isn't it? Mixed martial arts and boxing yeah, because you've got yeah. that... You're ultimately skilled in the two in, in that discipline. Yeah, that's Conor McGregor's ego. That's all that was. And at the same time, he knew he was going to get hands and he paid for it. Whereas Talkie might fight Manny Pacquiao now or something like that, potentially. Uh, nah, Manny Pacquiao ain't going to waste his time and put that on his resume because it's going to make him look like a fool. Yeah. Well, the one thing that Manny Pacquiao has as well is a big big amount of people that he's, he financially supports. So he's got that pressure all the time, which is, you see that in boxing, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I, I was chatting to some Filipinos, Filipinos, not so long back, and his, I brought his name straight away, Manny Pacquiao. All their eyes lit up. Sen- said, senator. Yeah, he's a senator. Like you know, Everybody loved him. Supposed to be good at pool as well, apparently, which is massive. He's, isn't it? he's making the states be built and putting poor people in it. Yeah, you can't get no better than that. It's a good example of what when what he goes out do. running. You watch him on YouTube. There's usually about thirty people with him. It's like the Rocky in Rocky no, in Philadelphia. No, he, he's <laughs> got to be round there because there would be someone that poor think well, there's a good target to kidnap. Really? <laughs> Don't you worry. Oh, about that's that. they're running around. Oh, no, they're not. They're not yeah, public. No, they're not all like there's a good room. A lot of them are going to protect him. Yeah. So you got stopped by Harold Graham, did you? So. Yeah, I got stopped in the fifth round. You know, but... Any hard feelings about that? If I'd have fought him ten fights later, it'd have been, it might have been a different yeah. different thing. But I needed the experience. You've got to have the experience. And he lost in world title fights to Mike McCullum. Yeah. And he got stopped by Julian Jackson. Yeah, Julian right? Jackson knocks him out when he fought me. But I fought, I fought the British super middleweight champion, Slug Roll Tour, in Spain. On the same night, was Bomber got knocked out. You fought in Spain? Yeah. What was that like? It was all right, because Julian Jackson against Harold Graham was on, and ah. I was fighting the British super middleweight champion, Slugger O'Toole, they used to call him. Yeah. And Julian Jackson, could he was one of the biggest hitters in the game, wasn't he? Yeah. When, when my mate asked Bomber Graham at the time, what was the fight like? He said that was one of the easiest fights he's ever had. And like um, we was at that thing in Spain. He got knocked out. They put him in the stretcher and they brought him past us. And my mate, who he said that to, he said, "I bet you had another harder fight than that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. You know no, what no. I mean? I thought my mate was right on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I bet you had another harder fight than that. And you fought Chris Eubank in the eighties as well. So that was a young, yeah. upcoming Chris Eubank. What do you remember of yeah. him in that I fight? I remember of him like there was what they called Indian flu in this country at the time. You could poo through the eye of a needle. Really? And I got it about two weeks before that fight. So that was that a dangerous flu, was it? It's not like the one that... It was horrible. Coronavirus. Thing. No, or... it was just horrible. But, like, uh, my practice for Chris Eubanks, because um, we'd been sparring 
before. Yeah. That was all rough tough. Did he have his sort of posh British accent at this point? Because he'd, he'd no. been in America, an American accent. He'd have his eight ounce Mexican race sparring gloves for like <laughs> little tiny things. Yeah, he was um, he was definitely into the boxing to where people and that. Yeah, he was a big hitter, wasn't he? Yeah, but like even when he'd spar, he'd have these little tiny six ounce gloves yeah. on. But and he had the dramatic had... he had the dramatic ring walks, didn't he? Getting crane yeah. to the ring walk. Was he was he an exhibitionist at that point that you fought him? I don't know. He had to be because like he he'd state with boxing, anything you want, you got to go in and get it yourself. But he do you think he was clever in crafting that character because he had his, oh, his suits oh, and his monocles yeah, and that's things what, like that? Yeah, of course he was clever about it. But he was a thief doing the um, shoplifting for posh clothes one time as well. Mm. I remember we was renting a place up in London and this woman went on about him, yeah, Chris, we know him, we just call him Teeth Boy. Oh, no. <laughs> I said, well, exactly. Because <laughs> like, if you wanted anything, you had to see him. Again, that's, a, that's a, 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 an allegation, not, not yeah, saying that's a fact. But, 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 but what about, you know, in terms of that's an example of boxers spending their money as well. Mike Tyson famously lost his, his fortune, didn't he? Evander Holyfield spent a lot of money. That's a, do you think they lack, when well, they do make good money, they lack that guidance and, and sort of savvy around them? Yeah, it's not only that, because like um, a lot of them, they get rid of the people that's around them. Yeah. And they get the wrong people around yeah, them. Yeah, then there's a problem. A bit like Andy Ruiz, who's done the same thing. He's got rid of his trainer now. Yeah. But his trainer just doing what he told him to do. I don't want to train. Andy, Andy Ruiz Jr. beat, yeah. who beat uh, Joshua last yeah. year at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But Because he didn't really train for the rematch with Joshua. No. Do you think he just felt that he could win that comfortably without no, having to train? No, he just fooled us all because we all lost money on him. Oh, did you back Andy Ruiz Jr. in yeah. a rematch? Yeah. What, what was your theory there? I thought, that damn marshmallow man, I'll never put money on him again. <laughs> Anybody who can't be bothered to train. For but before the fight, you felt that he, he had Joshua's yeah, number, he, did you? Yeah, if he come fit and all that, he didn't come fat. Yeah. And Joshua, Joshua just stick and move. And Joshua run. Stick and move. That's not called stick and move. That's called stick and run. Stick and run. <laughs> That's all he does, stick and run. So did you, did, were you impressed with Joshua for doing that? No. For adapting? No, he's a professional boxer, not an amateur. Adapting? Well, he adapted to the fact that when he traded with Ruiz in the first fight, he got yeah. caught. So why didn't he adapt to give the guy a good right hand at the end of it then? He oh, adapted so you, to jab and run. You think he should have, he yeah. should have imposed himself? Yeah, that's right. It's pro boxing. That's why like, he's, he wouldn't have got a lot of respect from a lot of fighters for that because he ran like a baby all night. But is that because his confidence was shook because he'd won the Olympic title, he'd come into the pros, everything yeah. had gone so well but he for so have, long. Like he's gone and stole the title back. Yeah, now <laughs> no, they're lining up for it again. Well, do you think? What would you think? Do you think Anthony Joshua, if he fought Deontay Wilder or Tyson Fury, how do you see those matches going? He'd lose both of them. You really think? Yeah. What because of the power of Wilder and the, what the skill of, of Fury? Yeah. That's how it would be. Oh my God, he wouldn't be able to get his head in. They've got to learn him bend his knees and move his head. He told you that. But do you think, Joshua. Do you think it shows, I mean, even Wilder as well, do you think it shows the difference with Tyson, compared to Tyson Fury with those guys, that they were late to boxing? Can you tell that? Because you came through boxing as a kid that, yeah. and, and Tyson Fury did that, that these guys, because they were good athletes, they came to it in their 20s or late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Is, it, is it different? You've, yeah, well, you can see it because they don't move their head from side to side or bend and dip and duck and they just stand in front of them and they think they're going to hit them with a big right hand. Yeah. It's, more, it's called boxing, not fighting. No. You know, and... You were stopped, stopped by Chris Eubank, weren't you? How, yeah. How, was, how did that happen? Oh, God, he hit me with a right hand. I didn't even see it. I remember I let, let it on the floor hmm. and um, 
You, do you, you don't feel pain in the ring, do you? Because the adrenaline is there. No, I was pissed off. I tried to get up and I couldn't. And I looked at the thing on YouTube. Have a look at it. The referee's got his hand just in front of my shoulder. So every time I'm trying to get... <laughs> Same thing so he took control of it. That was his decision to yeah. stop it. Yeah. I tell my mates, you shouldn't have done that. Really? What do you think about the ref with Tyson Fury against Wilder in the 12th round when he got knocked down? No, they said the ref, count was too that long. Ref, no, that referee, he'd been under your orders, don't stop this fight. Uh, nine out of ten referees would have stopped that from he didn't move. When he landed on his back, fight. yeah. Yeah, he didn't move and that's, that's it. But that, that ref was told, you give him the f- before he got in that fight, he's got to get every chance. Do, do, do you look back and worry about the impact that they had on your health, those those? Those, those shots from people no, like because I look back in my what Chris Eubanks hit me once but we had a toe to toe yeah war in the Thomas Beckett like about a week earlier I give as good as what I got and I had 16 ounces that was in sparring yeah, against he, who against Chris you fought, yeah. you fought him in sparring yeah. and then fought him in a fight uh, yeah Chris had 8 ounce gloves on you know what I mean he wanted the advantage really? yeah which is fair enough I didn't mind I let him let him wear them well you mentioned the gloves because you were talking to me on the phone we were chatting the other day and you said the difference between Amateur gloves and, and pro gloves is yeah. huge, and this is what you're going to try and yeah. coach this this super heavyweight's coming over about about that because mm. it's a, it's a, you said it's a scary step up. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be a scary step up for him. He don't realise he thinks he's coming for some kind of like a honeymoon holiday or something. Like he's going to get his ass kicked, handed <laughs> to him in Gloucester <laughs> by Jack Baker Street and the cruiserweight professional Dana Amin Khan's gym above the Irish Club. And then after that, we'll be going up to Sheffield to find Dominic Ingalls gym. Yeah. And then you're going in as an ordinary person. What's it, what's it, what, how does it feel different than when you get hit by a pro glove compared to it's sort of 10-ounce gloves, aren't they? Right, you've got big boxing gloves on, like that. Yeah. As a pro, feels like someone just give you a you can feel You can feel the fist more Oh, you it. better believe that. That's one thing they got to do, and they have been doing, it's got to be more padding on some of these gloves, otherwise people are getting killed, especially professionals. They put more padding on the gloves with the amateurs, yeah. but the professionals, they haven't. Yeah. What do you make of the bare-knuckle boxing that's come in now in terms of people yeah, well, a lot of broken hands? I don't and never run that stuff down because I've got friends who do that and that. And like, um, bare-knuckle boxing, some people like that. The only time I don't mind bare-knuckle boxing when it's one, one-on-one. Yeah. And like, it's just a fight. But it's bare knuckle boxing, they're organising it now, and there's states. Paulie yeah. Malinaji, former world champion, two weight world champion. A lot, a lot of these fighters got to realise look at the state of your face after, and every time you hit somebody, your hand breaks a bit more. Your hand breaks and their face cuts, doesn't it? That's the yeah. thing, it's all because yeah. of the, the so sharp like, edges. You, your hands aren't made for punching faces, as you can see. Yeah, you got your, hand, your hands aren't made for punching. You've got some lumps and bumps on your hands, just all broken your left, left hand there, yeah. Broken bones, but then it's about like. What did I do to make my hands strong again? But is that is that? When I f- tell my fighters, I don't tell. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell everyone. No, I don't. But did you feel that those scars, those those wars? Do you feel pr- pride to have those in a way that they bat- I don't, battle don't. battle scars? The way I look at it, this is part of it because I've left people laid on the floor and knocked out to the cold to the world, and like over and off celebrating and. I used to have one picture of Rob Thomas, a Gloucester fighter I fought three times. He, same weight as me, fought for England more times than what I did. Yeah. I didn't understand that. And yet, we're at <laughs> the same time, I, I beat him. Is that because you have to have people? Three times I beat him inside distance. Because people selecting a team yeah. weren't, weren't kind of you know, in your camp. Yeah, that's the way it is. And I've hurt some people with blood coming out of people's ears and... Did that upset you at the time when you hurt people? No, it didn't. It just made me realise you've got to remember what kind of power you can get. Like, 
It's, mm. it's like if you're on the street, whatever I do with him in the ring, like if you're on the street, imagine what it's going to be like when you've got nothing, yeah. nothing on your glove. Yeah. Nothing on, no glove on. But, but did, you, did you know ex-boxers that have struggled health-wise with... So we'll talk about dementia and stuff like that. Is it no, not so much dementia. I think a lot of them have got um, uh, what do they call it? Depression from depression from being ripped off from the people who run their managers and their promoters, and so many ex-professionals end up committing suicide. Yeah, because do they just... do they miss the lights as well and the adrenaline? No, and... they're just fed up. If they'd have had the money they were promised and everything, they'd be all right. But no, they're left half broke, and that is a bad thing. Yeah. Some of these managers and promoters. So in these more, they only they only want to sign you up if you're ready to sell four thousand pounds worth of tickets. Hang about what happened to the days where you wanted to be signed up because you was excited? We have boxers, yeah. They have to sell tickets on the day of the fight. Sometimes don't they go around yeah, door to door dropping rubbish. off tickets? Nah, damn nah. If you got, you gotta go somewhere and just say, um, it's like when I was with Billiards. Every time I boxed, I always sold the amount of tickets on the money that I was getting. Really? Yeah, up to Reggie Miller. That was Terry Ramsden brought him, and the fight before I boxed Carl Penn. He brought him from America. That's me, there. Billy was just paying me pittance, basically. Really? Yeah, just paying. And we, did you not have a man? Do you not have anyone giving you wisdom at that time in the game? No, no, there weren't no bloody men giving me wisdom. You know what I mean? Is where I don't know what Billy was on. I used to think he was mad. Yeah. What, yeah. was, what was Frank Maloney like? Obviously, Kelly Maloney now. What was, he, yeah. what was he like at that time? He just awful for himself. He said, yeah, sign with me, John, because, like, he said, there's no contract, though. And I boxed Mustafa Cole, my first fight for him. Yeah. Um, Mustafa Cole. Got your list there, yeah. Just go through your... Uh, you got your... Your career record there. Yeah, just need the glasses. Ah, I thought we had a lot of look if you want. Uh, Frank fight. Malone, Eric Cole. Yeah, must have been Cole. They brought him over to box Nigel Ben and they decided to get in the city. So, yeah, it's a, so And Aaron Rainey become my trainer then. 8th of February 1989. Did yeah. you have any idea that Frank Maloney was struggling with his identity as a man no, at that point? No. What fight did I after, have after that? You fought Eric Cole, you fought Harold Graham for yeah. the British title, which no, was... No, I mean after that. Oh, sorry, after that was Winston Ray again. Oh, then I had Winston Ray got to that yeah. there, and that's where you ripped me off. And then you had then, Kid Milo. Yeah, and then, and, then, and then Chris Eubank at the Al- Albert... Said, he said, you give you a contract back now, John. <laughs> you fought at the Albert Hall a couple of times there, Kid yeah. Milo and then, and then Chris Eubank. Yeah. What, was it, what was the Albert Hall like? What was the best venue you fought at? Almost, I never thought about venues. I was too much honed into the guy I was fighting. It didn't care. I didn't care where I boxed. You fought at York Hall for the British title, didn't you? That's an iconic venue. That's proper, yeah. proper pulsating, colder atmosphere there. Yeah, but it's like um, East London. It's a little place. I wanted better memories from big places. I wasn't going to get out with Frank Maloney. He mm. took me one day. He said, "Come and have a look." Went downstairs. Had a little office. He said, "One day I'm going to have the heavyweight champion of the world." <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and, you know. What did you, what did you make of the stadium fights now? Then with Anthony Joshua selling out Wembley Stadium, eighty ninety thousand people. Yeah, did you see? Because it and Carl Froch did it against George Groves in the rematch in your division, super middleweight. Yeah. Do you think there's there's an appetite for boxing that's just that you couldn't imagine at the time, even though yeah, you had so Eddie many. Eddie has got all of us, and he's got all of us under control. If we want to see any of them fighters, I think it's nearly thirty quid in it to watch. 
20, 20 pounds sometimes, yeah. 20 pounds, yeah. They're both bloody English. They should be doing it here for nothing. Yeah, well, he's doing his fight next, his next fight, probably the Tottenham Hotspur's new stadium. Yeah, but like, well, that, that, that's a promise. Yeah. Promise to a fool. Yeah, we'd fight Kubrat Pulev possibly, but they think he's a Euro- he European level. He will fight the Russian, but like it won't fight Uzik, will they? Because Uzik could take him a school. Ukrainian, yeah. Yeah, Uzik could take him well, a U- school. Well, Usyk stepped up from cruiserweight. Do you think yeah. he'd be all right at heavyweight? He was heavyweight in the Olympics, weren't he? Yeah, but, he's, yeah. but these guys are pretty much super heavyweights, aren't they? Some of the you know Anthony Joshua and people like that are six yeah. six, and be, yeah, seventeen but, stone. Yeah, but they've stripped off the so called fat off, and now look at him. He just looks like a bloody amateur again. <laughs> and he does that. Well, but, 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 but that was to execute the game plan, wasn't it? To be to be mobile. Yeah, well, running like rabbit. Listen, you can run, but sometimes you've got to be stairwell to stand there and have a good old tear. So you'd like to see Anthony Joshua impose himself on Kubrat Pulev, be, be physical? He won't, he won't know. He won't. That's why he's picked the Russian. We all know that he was going to even well, give P- him the belt. Bulgarian Pulev. Yeah, I know what. Yeah. Never Eastern European. Mm Get a big, another 30 million pound into his accounts, and Eddie will get another 30 million. But that's all it's about. Money. And people will turn against AJ in the end. Mm. They say, fuck you, we want to see you get beat. Mm. Because that's all he's on. Yeah. What? So, who? which boxes do you rate now, would you look at? Who's Ick? Yeah. Because um, he's pure tension. He trains the, with Lom- Lomachenko. Yeah, the two welterweights. Spence Jr. in yeah, Crawford. Yeah, and the one, and, and that pair of brothers. Who were light middle and welterweight. Oh, the, um, yeah, I know who you, yeah, I know who you mean. Um, Charlo brothers. Yeah. Um, there's quite a few, there's, there's one, the same weight as um, Lomachenko. Chinese looking guy, I can't remember his name. They reckon he's ready for that one. Not Japanese, Anui. Yeah, yeah that's him. Yeah. I think that might be him. Yeah. He beat Nanito Donair, didn't he, in an epic yeah. fight last year. Yeah, he's up for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and towards the end of your career as well, you had this this run, and then you fought Steve Collins twice. You fought him in Cardiff. Yeah. And then the last your last fight ever was wasn't your last fight ever was against Steve Collins. Yeah. Was the first person. Another world champion on your record. What was he? How did Steve Collins compare to Harold Graham and Chris Eubank? He was more classier in his way of boxing. He could hit you from a long way out or hit you from your kidneys, and he'd be stood in front of you. But like he was very disrespectful. Saying, "Come on, English man! Come on, English man!" Really? Yeah. But wasn't psychology that a big part? That's why he said they beat. He beat no, Steve he, Collins that he got inside his head, and he was he was just being nasty because he was punching me kidney shots in behind my ears mm. while he was saying all this. Yeah, just wanted to show off, so he went on went on to about the third round, and I headbutt him then. Did you? Yeah, he's, he's, he'll have the scar on there. I, don't, I hear he don't like me. He was talking of coming back a couple of years ago. What do you think when you hear things like that? Yeah, because like um, I hear his wife pissed off and left him. All oh, right. And then a lot of people that like, say he's very short and big headed. But he wasn't boasty. But he wasn't a, a nice guy. Anything? No, he was that nasty man. He was horrible. Do you think a lot of that is people? Is that genuinely what they're like, or is that because they're yeah. trying to put on a show or they're no, trying to intimidate they're, they're an opponent? They're genuinely like that. They're just like it. I know a few horrible yeah. people. They're like it. Even if they're laid on the floor dying and they say, help me, and you say, no, you've got no chance, they'd still cuss you with bad words. I think it's because a lot of boxers come from tough backgrounds, though. They get they get kind of hardened to the world, get nasty. Because yeah, like, people have been nasty to them. Yeah, but they've got to remember, like, um, at the end of the day, they're humans. When you're in that ring, be cruel and spiteful. That's what I used to tell my son. I said, you go in there, like, you know, all this sparring. Yeah. Like, well, you've got, se- you've got seven kids, haven't you? Yeah. And you, what, you taught them all to box? Five with the last one. Oh, of course they know how to box. Well, there's one of them who don't know how to box. 
We've got three girls, four boys. So you talk yeah. girls as well, just self-defence out of box? No, I used to teach my one daughter, Kizzy. Yeah. And Dominique... It's a boot, a punch bag, but I used to put a little cross on it. And I used to, you know, sellotape. I said, that's what you boot up. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And they, they punch, there ain't no punching. Give them a boot there. They had some good boots on them. <laughs> it's a mixed martial arts, a bit oh, of that almost, oh, isn't it? Oh, oh, yeah. But like, um, no one's ever told me any man's grabbed them up, mate, and I ain't got a boot. No, that's good. <laughs> that's right. It's important, isn't it? Because I've got a little girl. You worry, you've met her. You've you got you, you to worry teach about them, self-defense. Teach them to do something. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because like I say, some, there's some. Say, you've got to wait till the last minute. It's got to be a slow yeah. one. It's not. Don't go. You don't scare them. You don't scare them about the yeah, world. It's but you, fast like that. Yeah, you need to turn. There are some nasty, nasty yeah. people out there sometimes. So they need to need to learn how to protect themselves. But none of them pursued boxing as a, a career. No, Josepha could have, mm. but like um, he went for this apprenticeship, diesel mechanic, and he went for that. He's done it now. Thirty-two grand a year is only a twenty-two-year-old kid. Really, fantastic. Yeah, that's right. That's but that's more a lot more than the average wage in the country, isn't it? That's he he was playing for Worcester in the nineteens when he was sixteen, and so like I thought, well, he might go pro rugby player. Ah, right. But um, he didn't. He's happy. He just bought ice with his missus. And what position did he play in rugby? Centre. Centre. Yeah, about sixteen and a half stone centres. <laughs> There's some big centres. They're all big now in rugby, yeah. though, aren't they? Yeah, they're all huge. Every position, not just uh, the forwards. Now. He said we played against London, Dad. He said, "You think we were big?" He said, "You <laughs> should have seen the yeah. side of London." Well, and that they, used to be amateur in you yeah. know in the nineties, didn't it? Now it's pro, and they all yeah. just spend spend all week in the in the weight room. He said they were telling us they were like under nineteen. He said, "No way, some of them <laughs> look thirty years old, <laughs> seven foot tall." That was always the thing in youth sport. You always have you had yeah. under fifteens. You had a kid with a beard yeah. who was six. Yeah. We've got that pro boxing with the, with the gypsy boxers. Oh, really? Yeah, the so-called 15-year-old yeah. gypsy boxer. You can look and see he gets... you got to shave every day. Well, I heard Teddy Atlas, you're talking about Mike Tyson. He trained him in the, yeah. when he was a kid, and he said that Tyson was 13, but he was pretty much the size he was when he became world champion. They had to say to people they wouldn't accept that he was... He was uh, he was thirteen. They had to put him down as sixteen, and he still knock out his opponents. But he was only thirteen at the time, so he developed developed early. But then he peaked early as well, didn't he? Um, so what, what's he peaked early? I think a woman ruined him, and that man used the black man thing on him. Oh, Don King. Mm. He said, "Ah, the white man ain't doing no no, no good for you." He said, "Come with the black man." He should have said, "Come with the devil." Got exploited a bit. Oh yeah, did he ever? It's a story of boxers. You. You know, it's a, it's a tough, tough world, yeah, isn't it? It could be the story of footballers. It's just like we don't hear about it, but we know it's the story of boxers. But I bet there's a damn sight more footballers well, you get agents, get stuffed. You get agents getting big money now and the signing on fees, don't you? Things like yeah, that. Yeah. In Premier League football, it's interesting to see how that how yeah. that will how that will develop. So, how do you uh, how how's life now? You have got grandkids as well. You got a two year old's birthday tomorrow, haven't you? Yeah. Oh yes. Oh Jay. Do you enjoy being a granddad? Oh yeah, because they're all they're just little boys right now, and I'm buying them. <laughs> I bought a motorbike for Christmas, like Did a you? proper ones, not yet. No, no, but yeah. they soon will have it, just like their dad said when they was five years old. Oh, do you all ride motorbikes? You... No, all them lot do. do I made it from when they was five years old. They're all grown up, and like Johnny yeah. still goes out scrambling. Is that a thrill-seeking gene? Do you think that people have in them? No, like if you got a young kid and there's a gang of them, like you buy a quad bike and two motorbikes, like you got you got their attention every week. Yeah. And you know where they are. They uh, can bring their friends. Yeah. You just buy another bikes and then they share it all out. But you know where they are and you can see how they are. Yeah. Don't have to get You know what I mean? Yeah, well, yeah. That's the way I've done it. Anyway. But they, they've kept safe, haven't they? Because you had a bit of trouble, you said, in, with fights and stuff when you're growing up. And yeah, they, they haven't had that kind of 
upbringing in Colney like I did. They had an upbringing of walking through Gloucester Park with their dad and their dad seen someone who owes them money <laughs> and their dad's took their bike off them and sold it <laughs> 20 minutes later. But I tell them that's the way you've got to do it. <laughs> Look after yourself. Yeah, that's right. Stick up for yourself. Yeah. So what? So you're looking forward to training stuff now and developing boxers, is that? I don't know. Part? I don't know. I'm going to bring this big Dutch fella over. What's his name? Killy is... You're potentially a heavyweight professional, yeah. Gilbert... Gilbert Halley is yeah. the father. Okay. Killy Halley, okay. the son. Yeah. They've got a daughter also boxes, supposed to be quite good, but she just stopped because she's pregnant now. Yeah, that was. You have to stop but, for that, definitely. Yeah, but we will see. I'll bring him over. Just see how you enjoy it and, yeah. and talk about getting your truck like dry, long, long distance lorry driver, yeah. truck driver. Yeah, that's right, but that doesn't really matter to me for right now, that long distance lorry driving, because I'll, I'll drive for six months a year, labour it for six months a year. Yeah. I've got a few years left in me yet. I ain't ready to die just yet. That's a dead set. Nah, mate, you're firing. You're still oh, full of beans. Yeah. You're still full oh, of energy. Yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate you coming over, especially on your Saturday, because I know you said you're usually in bed. You get up at five in the morning every weekday, and then on the oh, weekend, yeah. you usually have a rest. Yeah, I do. I don't get up until about 10. Well, thank you, for, thank you for coming over from Gloucester, mate. It's been a pleasure. That's all right. It's a great, great story. You might even meet one day, like I'm, I might get Gilbert, Halley. He was six times Dutch champion. Yeah. His son is the one-time super heavyweight champion and his dad before him yeah was a dutch champion so like they've got three generations in that'd be great to speak to them because you don't really think of many dutch boxers do you it's interesting because there's dutch Dutch pro fighting there's nothing out there yeah darts they love darts yeah Yeah. darts and football tend to be but if it is they're with the um the German promoters. Oh, like Cali Silent. he's English. He's English German, isn't he? Crosses both markets, but yeah. And they aren't really got nobody out there. So we'll see how he fares. He's got to play good because, like, you know, he's coming for sparring, but at the same time, these guys might tip him, make, stand him on his head, as yeah. we call it. So, like, we'll see, find out. We'll yeah. see, we'll find out. Well, best yeah. luck with that. Appreciate your time. And, Johnny, good luck with, the, with everything, mate. Right. Thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. Johnny's just putting his stuff away. I'll put online, actually, uh, Johnny's record. It's got very uh, kindly put his uh, career purses there as well alongside his boxing record so it's been a fantastic journey for him i appreciate listening to the podcast do rate it on itunes if you enjoy it and you can get in touch with me at draper81 on social media as well cheers guys speak to you soon